And coming up next on To A New RFM, finance is the subject with Stephen Pritchard joining me, Jane Klein. On Thursday Finance, uh, we'll have our market snapshot with Henry Jennings, who's Senior Commentator with Marcus Today Financial Newsletter. We'll also look at currencies and commodities, and petrol is going to be under the spotlight when Stephen Pritchard talks to Kyle Lodes, the President of NRMA, about those prices, their variation, mm, both geographical and over time. And Stephen, it's probably a good time to see how we're travelling. Commodities are really quite a good um, guideline, aren't they, of, of how the The industrial is going. ones are, the industrial metals. Okay. Um, and, of uh, course, we haven't had a rate rise, have we? We didn't have an interest Bank. rate. The Reserve Bank um, announcement was kind of drowned out with the uh, horse racing activities on that day. Um, mm. they, they seem to have made the front um, front page of the news stories other than um, the uh, RBF's, um, RBA's uh, um, yes. rate announcements. Yes, yes. Uh, well, uh, it didn't change. Didn't change. <laughs> But it had a good effect on the dollar. Has that continued? Um, it's gone. It's gone up a little bit. Yeah, the dollar was up um, against the US dollar, was up one percent on the week. Um, yeah, I mean, but but the banks have actually continued to. Uh, I know it's Benigo Bank put their interest rates up after the the rate rise, so the banks are continuing to increase their their interest rates despite the official cash rate not moving, um, and this is having the effect of increasing their. Uh, margins and, and profitability. And that's in line with the review of the financial situation? Well, I mean, you, they've had to raise additional capital and now they're just making the um, the, the lender, uh, the borrowers pay for it, basically. Mm. Yeah, mm. fair enough. Mm. Okay. Well, I so, don't know if it's fair enough. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, that's, but that's what's happening. <laughs> yes, so... Um, uh, and commodities, in the, uh, world of commodities. In the commodities, the price of gold in Australian dollars was down six percent to the week, uh, off of the week to fifteen hundred fifty nine uh, dollars an ounce. The price of silver was also down by six percent to twenty one dollars, and the price of copper, which we've spoken about as a lead economic indicator before, was was down another two percent to the week to seven thousand one hundred fifty five dollars. So copper's heading towards a, a, a ten year low again. Um, uh, the price of nickel was down 7% on the week to 13,748 and a ton of tin was down 3% to 20,790. So all the, the, all the, all the metals that were used in production have uh, continued to fall in price, which, which isn't a good economic indicator. Um, and the currencies, well, as I said, the Australian dollar was up 1% on the week. Um, the Great British Pound, we're up, um, 4%, uh, for a 0.4% to 46.45 pence. Um, the New Zealand dollar, we're up against that by 2.5% to $1.08 New Zealand. And the euro cents, we're, the euro, we're up to 65.8 euro cents, which was up 2% on the week. So, so basically the currency was you know, not, not much, between 1% and 2% across the board increase. Um, and probably, I mean, the, the, the fact that the Reserve Bank didn't increase the interest rates. Um, Australia still has high interest rates on a, on a, a worldwide scale. So, so, so does that mean people want to put overseas money Overseas in? investors, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, continue to invest in Australia for the interest rates. I mean, the only thing is they... Is they risk the the currency movement if the the currency falls, um, they they kind of lose some of their investment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Australian All Ordinaries um, was down one point four percent for the week. The, the, the index is um, continuing to drift down. It's down fo- to five thousand two hundred ninety four, which which is about twenty percent down since Easter. I mean, you know, the, the market 
the market, the share market hasn't been kind lately, at least the Australian share market. Um, the Dow Jones w- was up half a percent for the week, 17,867. Uh, the UK index um, FTSE was at 6,412, which is down 0.4% for the week. And the Hang Seng index, which is, replicates really what's happening in China and has been all over the place in previous weeks, um, it, it was pretty steady at 23,053. Um, the West Texas Intermediate Crude was, in Australian dollar terms, $65.13 a barrel, which is reasonably steady for last week. And the petrol prices, well, we're going to have a coal loads from NRMA talk to us about in depth about petrol prices a bit later. Um, in, in Newcastle, they were $1.25 a litre, which was down 1.7% for the week. But in Sydney, they are down a massive 9%, almost 10%, to $101.20 a litre. So we've reversed where we are last week. The fuel is now $0.05 cents a litre, more expensive in Newcastle and Sydney, um, which is... So that makes you happy again? No, it doesn't make, doesn't make me happy. Yeah, no. <laughs> I thought that was the wrong word. <laughs> yes, shouldn't be happy about that. And um, diesel, um, the diesel price is relatively steady, $101.29. A litre in um, Newcastle and a dollar twenty-two a litre in Sydney. Okay, so we look forward to hearing what Kyle Loads has to say about that later on. Thursday, finance and Stephen Pritchard with us, and time for our market snapshot with Marcus Today Financial Newsletter senior commentator. Henry Jennings. Hi, Henry. Hi, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's raining up here and the weather's almost back to winter, but but we'll survive. It feels a bit wintry down here as well, so... um yeah, not much better, and I think it's a bit wintry in Melbourne too. That's always wintry right. in Melbourne. I've been down. I've been down there a week before Christmas, and it's been wintry in well, Melbourne. Well, that's true. It can change yeah. pretty dramatically. And uh, and Woolworths looks like they're going to be a bit wintry with their dividends. What's what's this about cutting the dividends? Oh, you're good at segues, aren't you? Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Well, there has been talk. I have to say, it is um, kind of flying kites at the moment. Obviously, Woolies are in some serious problems. Um, they've got uh, people not shopping in their stores, and this is, this is affecting their supermarkets rather than just their peripheral stores like Big W. Um, so there has been some chatter in the market that they may have to cut dividends in order to keep their credit rating up. Um, they do have a lot of other options in terms of uh, asset sales, maybe Big W or Closing Masters, which would uh, alleviate the need to do that. But I think it's just the market flagging that there are some serious problems with Woolies, and at the moment they don't even have... Uh, a CEO that's um, there for the long haul as uh, Grant O'Brien has, has resigned, fallen on his sword, but is uh, hanging around to, to pick up all his um, all his benefits from his long service. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, oh, I you, know, you would have thought... Just, you know, once you've made the decision to go, you've got to go, and, and you know, they need to find someone else. I guess the, the problem is they've got to find someone else that wants to handle the hot potato. Mm, well, I assume the board will be looking at cutting their director's fees at the same time as the shareholders' dividends. I'm sure they will. Mm. Not. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and BHP, BHP saying they're seeing a bleak future in iron ore for the moment. Well, I guess, I mean, everyone's um, been uh, saying there's a bleak future in most commodities at the moment. It, it all comes down to supply and demand. And at the moment, supply in most commodities is far outstripping demand, which is, weakening as China moves from a a manufacturing and building phase to a a more consumer-driven economy. So, um, you know, the problem that the BHP's got is they're part of the problem. They're they're continuing to pump 
record amounts of uh, iron ore through through uh, Port Hedland, um, and as a result, Rio's Fortescue and Vale all doing the same. So that's keeping very much a lid on um, on on the price because supply is so plentiful and so cheap for these guys. So um, you know they are part of the problem. If if they stopped, um, you know, pumping record amounts of production, maybe we could see the iron ore price rebound. But it's um, BHP is trying to get rid of the competition at the moment. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what I. It's the same here in the in the hunter with the coal industry, which is which I don't quite understand. Is that the the ports having record export tonnages mm. of coal, and yet they've put all these people off up the up the valley who used to work in the coal mine. So I, I don't quite understand how we're still getting this production, but but the the you know the, the labour force and the contractors who provide maintenance and everything else has has all been cut down. Yeah, well, I, I guess, I mean, the mines um, were, were pretty profligate when uh, the prices mm. were booming and were, you know, throwing money around like a drunken sailor, as they say, and, and now, of course, they've had to uh, to cut their cloth um, and seek efficiencies, and I think that's that's what's been driving the, the job cuts. I mean, it's, it's the first thing that uh, companies do, is cutting costs, is to, uh, to sack half the workers and make the other half work twice as hard. Mm. Mm. So, um, yeah, I suspect that's what's happening, and there's also... Know, technology coming into play. Yeah, yeah. Seeing that in the Pilbara with uh, you know, driverless trucks, driverless trains, uh, and certainly driverless management at times as well. Most of the time, by the sound of it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> speaking of that, CSRs forecast more upside in the building boom, but uh, yeah, giving given CSRs historic results, you wonder whether um, perhaps we should be looking at the opposite. Well. Uh, you guys, I mean, you have to think these guys are pretty close to uh, the coalface, and certainly, you know, although um, CSR is seen as a proxy on the, the housing boom, I mean, there, there's more strings to a housing boom than just rising prices. There's also massive amounts of renovation and and, uh, and construction going on, and, and people upgrading their houses. So um, CSR did produce some pretty good results. Borrell also had some good results today as well, although the stock hasn't done quite so well. Um, so there's certainly, you know, there's some optimism in this sector, and you've only got to look at programs on telly like The Block and all the other renovation shows to uh, to see that people are are out there and, you know, driving around some of the suburbs that are, are full of brand-new utes from tradesmen that are, are doing lots and lots of work on people's houses, which is good for building product companies like CSR, Borrell, Adelaide Brighton Cement, and all those other stocks, So um, all of which have been under a bit of a cloud recently uh, due to, uh, to fears that uh, it's all going to end in tears. And uh, speaking of, of, of upgrades, I mean, Domino's has um, upgraded the, the price of, uh, or their profit forecast again. Um, yep. You know, um, they're, they're doing some interesting things with technology, as we've discussed before, you know. Well, I mean, Domino's is, is, is a pizza company in, in theory, but in that actual fact, it's, uh, it's really harnessing the power of the internet uh, and the digital technologies to, uh, to drive sales. They've got some pretty snazzy apps. Um, that track your pizza so you know where it is, so you can build your own pizza. They're looking at one-click ordering. Um, they're looking at electric bikes for inner-city deliveries to make them clean and green, um, you know, so that they're, they're cutting costs, they're making it more efficient. And uh, for those people that uh, make pizza at home, you, you, you know that uh, the actual cost of a pizza is, uh, is quite minimal given the ingredients that tend mm-hmm. to go into it. So the margins 
are pretty big, um, and they are pretty popular. They, they do uh, they do make good pizza, I have to say, for a large chain, and um, you know, they have become a, a more of a tech company than uh, an actual food company with delivery and uh, other yep. methods. So we might just come back in a minute to talk about the first stock that's gone through two hundred dollars since, oh, yeah. since nineteen sixty nine. Yeah. <laughs> This is Thursday Finance for our sponsor Pritchard and Partners and Stephen Pritchard, our market snapshot with Henry Jennings. Henry. Stephen. And uh, uh, Blackmore's has gone through $200 a share, which was uh, the first share to go to 200 I'm told, since the Poseidon in 1969 or something, which I'm well, too, I, I too young to remember. The, the first share to ever go through 200 but it has been an incredible success story in, uh, in Blackmore's. Uh, the stock has, uh, as you rightly say, went through $200 a share, which was uh, a stunning result. It, has, it did then pull way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have to say that the volume in, uh, in Blackmores is not huge. There's only 31,000 shares traded today. Um, but we're back at $171. Uh, still a massive, massive run this year. It's, um, it's certainly been an absolute winner. Um, whether it continues remains to be seen, but it's obviously predicated on the, uh, the growth of uh, health supplements mm-hmm. into, uh, into China, which uh, seems to be insatiable in terms of their demand. There were some concerns that China was clamping down on some of the, um, the unauthorized channels which people get uh, some of these supplements into China through, uh, through buying a pallet at a chemist warehouse and then shipping it through uh, various Alibaba or eBay channels up to China. Um, but I would imagine that's only good for Blackmores because their products sell for high, far higher margins in China than they do in uh, mm. in the local chemist warehouse in uh, in Sydney or uh, in Melbourne. So, um, yeah, it's a great success story. Yeah, there was well, there was one of the media outlets was talking about it going to three hundred dollars. Well, pick a number. That's right. I mean, the two hundred dollars. I had a look. There was only about four shares or something play. You know, traded. Yeah. It. it was it's very. Yeah, small. I mean, it's. it's it's one of those kind of trophies, I guess, and it's mm. you know it's one of those things that uh, once it gets close, people will push it through just to uh, just to get it, just to see it happen. But um, I think you know it's it's come back to a more normalised, um, if that's the right word, level, um, and we'll probably see a little bit more profit taking as we go on. Um, but it has been an astoundingly mm. great story. And um, a not so great story is Santos now seems to be saying that they're not going to sell their assets. They're they're, they're going to do a, um, a capital raising and possibly by way of replacement. I mean, th- th- yeah. I mean, I don't know why they just don't do a rights issue to their existing shareholders. Well, the, the problem they've got, I guess, um, is that they've actually got a bid on the table, yep. um, highly conditional, but um, you know, they have got an overseas international group that is looking to buy the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so selling off bits of it to other international groups seems a little bit strange. So, I don't know, you would have liked to have thought that maybe asset sales would have helped the debt uh, get uh, get to a more manageable level, but they seem to have, well, certainly by media speculation, they seem to be dropping those sorts of, um, of um, sort of strategic approaches. But, um, yeah, selling 15% of the company to an international group seems strange if they've got a bid on the table for another international mm. group for 100% of the company, which is... Know, a dollar higher than where they're currently trading at. So, mm, mm, I know, um, I know, just on $6 or something. Yeah. I, I think at the moment the board and the management, which again, a bit like Woolies, is under a restructure due to yep. the CEO going, 
um, need to um, need to take that mirror out and have a little bit of a, a long hard look at um, you know some of their okay. options because they're still saying they need to see nine dollars plus to um, to sell the mm. company, but then they're quite willing to sell fifteen percent of it to somebody else for um, for six dollars minus. Oh well, the difference is that um, people. <laughs> yes, we know what the difference is. Um, anyhow. Um, and just to wrap up, is one of the local companies, NIB, is talking about their upgrading their profit forecasts. Yeah, they had a they had a good uh, a good little run yesterday. They've, uh, they've of course the the great thing that people have been looking for in all these AGM statements is um, is um, is updates on um, profit outlook. And anybody that says you know things are looking good, um, is is being rewarded quite handsomely. They had a really good day yesterday, um, and they rallied from around. Uh, 350 up to 370 at one stage, um, but uh, still a little bit off their highs. But yeah, it, it's been a good success story again. Cost out. Um, I think they've got a million members now, which is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. pretty impressive. And again, you know, it's 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 a safe story. It offers growth. Um, so the market seems to like those kind of stories. Not the most exciting growth, but um, when you compare it against some of the other stocks at the moment, which don't seem to offer any growth, it's. Um, it's quite refreshing. And it doesn't pay an unreasonable dividend either. It doesn't pay an unreasonable yeah. dividend, and we know that uh, the market loves dividends, although yep. looking at the banking sector at the moment, you would imagine that uh, the market has fallen well and truly out of love with dividends. We've got you know, National Australia Bank down nearly 4.5% today after they've gone ex-dividend. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, so, and we've got more dividends to come from ANZ and Westpac in the next few days. So it's going to be um, interesting for the sector as it remains very much unloved at the moment. Okay. Well, we might um, wrap it up here and speak to you again next week, Henry. Thanks very much, Stephen. Good to speak to you. Thanks, Henry. Henry Jennings is a senior commentator with Marcus Today Financial Newsletter, our market snapshot. Thursday Finance and Stephen Pritchard, a subject that we often think about um, when we talk about petrol prices... Yes, we're often talking about the petrol prices and um, the difference between Newcastle and Sydney prices and the prices we quote a curse the NRMA's website. So I thought we'd get um, Kyle Lodes, who's uh, a Newcastle person, who's now the president of the NRMA, along to uh, talk to us about that today. Kyle. Stephen, how are you going? Good, good, Kyle. That's so, way. So... Um, you're the president um, of the NRMA, which is good to have a local person, the president. You've been the president for a couple of years now, haven't you? Yeah, 18 months. Uh, yep. Just We've got our AGM tomorrow, so we're celebrating a, another big year at NRMA and looking forward to powering on next year. Excellent. So um, why, why is there a big variation between the Newcastle and Sydney petrol prices? Well, Stephen, I'm going to start with some stats that may surprise you. And that is, there's actually little difference on average between Sydney and Newcastle. And then I'll talk about the extremes. So the reality is, on average, Newcastle petrol pricing is two and a half cents per litre dearer than Sydney uh, this year, year to date. So from January through to November now. And that's actually a very close number. Uh, if I go back to 2014, there was on average seven cents difference. So it's improved, you know, by more than 50 percent mm-hmm. uh, this year, which is a, a good trend. Yep. And if I, and we've also separated Maitland, which is actually better uh, in the last couple of months than uh, Sydney pricing. It's actually over a cent cheaper. 
Now, what actually happens is that if I pick the pricing today, Stephen, or as of yesterday, Newcastle pricing, uh, the average is $1.25.7. Yep. The minimum is $1.15.5, but the highest is $1.60.9. So that's a whopping uh, $0.45 cents differential between lowest to the highest. So what happens, people see a price at a location that could be just a dearer location and then compare it elsewhere so it sort of means that the perception is it's a lot dearer, but on average, it isn't the case. Okay, okay, that's interesting because there is, I mean, we, we kind of um, talk about the petrol prices each week here and, and there is some weeks when um, Sydney's prices are actually higher than ours. So, so I mean, we don't, we just talk the average price from week to week and so we don't well, kind, of, kind of average yeah. it out over the year. So, so that could be the case, yeah. Well, averages are good, but really here and now, you and I and, and your listeners, we... We uh, get the purse or wallet out and we write the cheque out to fill up the car and it always seems too much. The Sydney market's very interesting. It has a price cycle over a two-week period on average that can have a 30 cents differential between the average high and low. So it's a bit of a mystery. So the other factor that happens when people from Newcastle you know, you, you look at Walls End at the average and then you get on the freeway and end up in Sydney and you see something 20 or 30 cents difference. Mm-hmm. Often that's the reason that they're at the low part of the cycle, mm-hmm. but the next day or the next week they could go up, you know, mm-hmm. 20 cents just like that. It's, uh, so there are reasons for it. Okay, okay. And so so how does NRMA monitor these prices? I mean, I know it's on their um, the website that they, they, they have. So how do you actually collect the data? So there's a company called Informed Sources that's a fuel data collection company that we track it through, okay. uh, and that's one of the ways. Uh, we have other other ways of tracking it, but that's the main way. It's generally tracked um, in Sydney at every location, and we'd love to have every specific location all over the state, um, but we're still working on that challenge. So what actually happens is that we track the average pricing and the range from lowest to the highest uh, where possible, Uh, And we've been focusing recently on Maitland, separating Maitland from Newcastle. And that's been very worthwhile because you can put the spotlight on specific locations, which has proven to be even better than Newcastle, even with a lower population. Okay, okay. I mean, this, I mean, when you think about it, there's a lot of work in actually doing this. I mean, it's it's not as easy as as people would think it was. I mean, I can just see that, 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 you know, just I don't know how many service stations are there, but but you know there's a lot of work in, involved in getting these. Well, with the service stations, Stephen, in Newcastle we estimate just under 150, Maitland yep. under 20, but yep. Sydney's got just under 900. Yep. So they're the sort of things that our policy team are very involved with tracking as much as possible, so that we can have a better understanding of what the competition's doing, and to try and nudge it so that we can get the pricing down. Uh, because really it's a free market. The reality is petrol stations and oil companies can charge pretty much whatever they want, mm-hmm. uh, when they want, and, and we're captive to that because you know, most people in the Hunter uh, still don't use public transport. They get in a car and have to drive, and they're really captive to what petrol stations are charging. Yeah, so, so talking of competition, most of the a lower, a lot of the, the petrol stations now seem to be controlled by the, the Woolworths and Coles um, Grocery chain. So, so is this being good for competition? Or, or? Well, Stephen, uh, 48% of the, 
of sites are owned by uh, Woolies and Coles. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you combine those sites with the majors, that adds up to about 92%, leaving just 8% uh, that are classed as independents. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so really, uh, you know, when you look at the major brands of Shell, BP, Mobile, Caltex, versus some of the independent sites, you know, they do have 92% of the market. Look, it's a free, it's a free world, it's a free market, and uh, we'd love to see more independents uh, come into play. What we find is at a location where there are uh, an independent or two, uh, and we find in Sydney, for example, in southwest Sydney, where there are more independents, the majors are forced to follow and keep their prices low to match. So independents are a good thing to challenge the majors, and we need to see more of that in the hunter. Mm. So, yes, I'm trying to think. The only site I can think of is, is at, um, at Mayfield there. There's a, a, a Woolworths Caltex and there's a Caltex just along the road from it. Um, yeah, there are a few at Islington and Mayfield. And then you've got your 7-Eleven as a brand that's really uh, an independent. And that's a really good example of some lobbying in RMA did some years ago, uh, one of the uh, major uh, uh, brands was looking to buy another major brand, and we stopped that. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, the C uh, allowed 7-Eleven to come through and buy it instead, which meant that it was better for competition rather than have one big one become even bigger. And that was something that you know your lobbying achieved a good outcome, we believe, for more competition in the market, which hopefully reduces prices. Yeah. So. so- on that is the the grocery the grocery chains are they are they subsidising the petrol prices or are the petrol stations subsidising the grocery prices? Okay, so the A Triple C in late two thousand and twelve, and again this was on the back of other entities, including NRMA submission. The uh, if if petrol stations owned by supermarket chains were going to remain doing both, they cannot cross subsidise each other. They both mm-hmm. have to be completely independent, and then they're being held to account to deliver on that. Uh, and the other thing that came out of that was the Shopper Docket uh, mm-hmm. program, where it maxes out now at four cents because they were getting silly, you know. And you might, yeah, time soon, you know, ten to fifty cents, uh, which really was affecting the ability of the independents to compete. So that's been knocked on the head to four cents maximum. And the other thing that came out of it, Stephen, was in New South Wales you now can't advertise on the price boards the discounted price. You can only uh, advertise the true price, the non-discounted price, and then show somewhere there uh, so much per litre, uh, shopper docket, etc., cheaper, which is a, a good thing because people were getting uh, hooked in by a discounted price, even if they had a shopper docket or not. Right. So I would have thought, you know, why is the these shopper dockets had to be authorised by the ACCC to start with? I mean, why do they authorise them? Well, I think the middle ground was that uh, there is one argument that uh, that shopper dog at pricing, uh, even at four cents, uh, which frankly comes out at you know whether it's two or three dollars a tank, yep. uh, but you know at least it's giving a level of discount. What we've found from our own analysis was that in reality, if you're saving four cents a litre. It's four cents a litre on top of what? Because we found that the net result was it wasn't much cheaper because they were simply jacking up the pricing. uh, And that wasn't happening all the time, every time. But we know the statistics show that. So, 
look, the bottom line is we had to knock out the big discounts because it was just so unfair yep. for independents to compete. Yep, that's right. Um, and I think Jane's telling me we, we have to... <laughs> We're getting to it, we but that's, to that's really up. interesting. That's, that was very yeah. interesting, Carl. We might get you back in a couple of months to, to give us an update, if that's okay. Yeah, Stephen, happy to come on board any time and chat about petrol pricing or any other issue. Okay. Thanks very much, Carl Lodes from Thanks, Carl. the NRMA. Thursday, finance and just a short time to Christmas now, Stephen. Yes, about eight, about eight weeks. I noticed that um, I got a catalogue from uh, David Jones this week with all the, all the Christmas catalogue and there was something in the financial review today with all the, the goodies you can buy from one of the um, liquor chain stores. So, so, you know, all these things are sent out to tempt you. Um, just remember that um, don't spend too much. Um, have a budget. You don't want to hang over in the new year with a big credit card bill you have to pay up for the rest of the year. Yes, and you don't want something like that hanging over you at Christmas time. It's uh, and be careful be what nice. you buy. Yeah, uh, people get carried away at Christmas time and buy a lot of stuff they don't really need. Right. Make things instead of buying it. Uh, if, you, if you're good, handy <laughs> like you, Jane. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. And Thursday Finance will be back next Thursday after the midday news on 2NURFM.